0: It's the Real Roots Radio podcast, on-demand content highlighting the best information and entertainment from the Real Roots Radio team. Here's Daniel Mullen sitting down with one of today's top music makers on Real Roots Radio. Welcome back to Real Roots Radio. It's my honor and pleasure to have uh, Bluegrass Hall of Famer J.D. Crowe on the air today talking about uh, his late friend, Mr. Tony Rice, that passed away on Christmas Day, 2020, Mr. Crow, uh, I wish you could be joining us over uh, happier circumstances, but. Well,
1: uh, for the first say, you can drop the Mr. Deal.
0: <laughs> yes, sir. You,
1: I bet you and I know each other <laughs> long enough. We go for first names.
0: <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs>
1: so, what's this Mr. Deal here? <laughs> okay. No. Anyway, well, it's good afternoon to you. Uh, to be honest with you, it's still morning to me because uh, I stay up late and I sleep late, so, you know, (laughs) but that's what retirement's all about. But anyway, uh, yeah, this, uh, this, uh, it's a sad, sad time, especially for me. Uh, it's like I lost a brother, you know, uh, because that's the way I felt about Tony, you know, he was, uh, he was one of a kind and, uh, uh, it was great to work with him in, uh, in a band because he was uh, just uh, so good at what he did. And, uh, you know, the time he spent with the New South was just, you know, we had a great time. We played a lot of good music together and enjoyed the friendship and, and all that. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a great loss to the bluegrass community uh, and also, uh, and probably other genres of music. that Tony's passed, and uh, I know he had a hard time, struggle for the last couple, three years, and it's been tough on him. Yeah. And uh, uh, I just think it's 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 you know you you hate to say it, but in his condition, he's in a better place now.
0: Absolutely,
1: he, Absolutely. Is, he is at rest. He is at peace now. Yeah. You know,
0: and that's and, something uh, he he needed that rest and that peace for a while now.
1: He yes, he did, and uh, and he deserved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, no, we uh, it's it's just it's hard to accept some somebody of that caliber, and especially when you've worked with them and know them, and uh, probably I know him probably as better or as good as anybody did, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he was a special person, and uh, he's. he's Like I said, he's like a brother to me. And sure hate to lose somebody like that. And uh, and I'm sure a lot of people will... I know that they had worked with him uh, for years. Down through the years, will probably feels the same way I do.
0: When did you first meet Tony?
1: Uh, You know, (laughs) that's uh, that's a long story really. And I don't think we got time to do all that. But anyway, uh, how I knew about Tony was through Bobby Sloan. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bobby was, uh, one of the members of my band for, for years and years. And, uh, he, he told me about Larry and Tony both, uh, years ago. Uh,
0: Larry being Tony's like, uh, brother, Larry Rice.
1: Yeah. See, and there's another thing. I was very fortunate too. I thought to have both Larry and Tony in the band at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, because to Larry was also a great talent. Uh-huh. You know, and uh, but but uh, he and Tony were in the band at the same time. And, you know, and a lot of times that don't work because you know how brothers fight among themselves.
0: Yeah. You there's know, a lot of good like and bad a, there.
1: <laughs> well, there's a competitiveness that happens yeah. there, too. See, especially when you're musicians. Mm-hmm. It's that competitive thing. You know, and, uh, sometimes that gets in the way of their talent, but <laughs> that never happened with them. Not really. Mm-hmm. We just, we had a great time together. And uh, But anyway, uh, that's how I found out about Tony I actually was through Bobby Sloan mm-hmm. and uh, was telling me about both of them. And then when... Larry came into the band when Doyle Doyle Lawson was still with me Mm -hmm. as the old Kentucky Mountain Boys. And Larry came in, and then Larry was telling me about Tony also. And right after that, I heard Tony had joined the Bluegrass Alliance. Mm -hmm. And that was really my introduction to Tony Mm -hmm. at that time. And uh, and I heard him, and I thought, yeah, this Jack can play, you know. Yes. Yeah. And of course, he was still young and still learning. And uh, but uh, that that's how that I met Tony. Mm-hmm. And then Larry said, uh, and also Tony, I had talked to him, and he told me at one time. And Larry also told me this that Tony had said if I ever needed a lead singer, to call him and And I did, but I didn't do it until I heard he was going to leave the Bluegrass Alliance. Mm-hmm. And then I called him about about it, and that's how we got together.
0: What about uh, Tony's personality uh, made him such a such a unique guy? Um, for Tony was a pretty private person and so for, for folks that yes. have listened to his music for, for decades what were some things about his personality that his fans might might be interested in learning
1: the thing about Tony like you said Tony was a very private person uh, he, he didn't like to be around just like certain people mm-hmm. and I think it was probably musicians because he loved the music, and not only Blueberry, he liked folk music, he liked a lot of jazz music, he had different genres of music, Even in, and I did also, because we were listening to different styles of music, you know, and because uh, he and I would get together in this even after we played a whole night at the Holiday Inn, you know, how much we worked there, and uh, we would still... After we got off, we'd go maybe over to his apartment and we'd sit there and play till daylight, just me and him, (laughs) listening to different records. Tony had a good ear about finding uh, songs and material that would fit the new sound that maybe we could do. And we'd sit there and play like that and uh, listen to different albums and, and hear songs and things, maybe we could do them. And that's what we did. Tony was very good about that.
0: You mentioned his ability to select songs, and, that, and that's one of uh, the characteristics about him and his music that is so um, revered. Is he knew how to pick songs that uh, he could deliver honestly yeah. and, and truthfully, and it it really started to show um, on. The, the rounder 0044 album that turned 45 years right. old this year, but then continued yeah. throughout all of his uh, his recordings as well was his ability to choose songs. What were things that he looked for um, when it came time to, to pick a song that he thought he could deliver?
1: Uh, I don't, Well, you just said it right there. It's songs that he felt like that he could sing mm-hmm. that would fit him. Mm-hmm. And, and and that therefore the both I was the same way there's certain songs that you like but you can't it, you just can't do them it, it, because it's something that doesn't fit you you like it and you love to listen at it but you you just the the deal of trying to do them this really doesn't fit what you feel mm-hmm uh, and that's that's the way that he looked at that, mm-hmm. and then Tony was, Tony was kind of I would call him a folk ballad singer. Mm-hmm. There he loved that guy. He loved James Taylor, Gordon Lightfoot, mm-hmm. uh, Jim Croce, uh, different artists. And I did too, man. Because I, I listened to those guys. I I loved hearing them sing, and we got to doing some songs. Or uh, listening, and we got to thinking, you know, hey, there's a couple songs we might be able to do. Mm-hmm. And that's how all that developed. Mm-hmm. You know, in that, that Tony liked that, and I also liked it. He knew that I liked it. And uh, so he would uh, call my attention to him and say, hey, come, let's, let's listen to this, see if we can do these. And we did, and uh, a lot of it worked. Of course, some of it didn't, you know. And then I'd bring in some material, and uh, he'd bring in some. So that's how all that developed.
0: What are some ways that, uh, that being being friends and uh, a peer and a, and a comrade and a brother with Tony Rice impacted you personally?
1: Well, uh, the way that Tony looked at the, uh, the music... He was so sincere about it, and of course I was too. Uh, We wanted it done the best we could do it. And that's what we strive for. And that's what he strived for. You know, Tony was very serious about his music. Mm -hmm. Anybody he played with, or if he was doing it on his own, he was very serious about it. Mm -hmm. And he wanted it as right as it could be. As they could get it, you know. And that's the way we looked at it, that's why he looked at it. That's why I liked him so much, about as far as his musical ability. Mm-hmm. He was serious about it, mm-hmm. you know. And he picked the songs that he felt he could do, mm-hmm. you know, and that that's another thing that I liked about him. And he picked the songs he thought the band could do, you know, also. And, and it's true, you know, your lead singer, you have to be able to do material that he likes that he feels like he can do that, that that's that's what you have to do
0: when did you realize that i mean there's a there's a lot of great pickers a lot of great singers in bluegrass and, and most of them have been in your band it seems but um when did you realize that there was something unique about tony rice that you just don't see very often that made him a, you know, a a once in a generation type talent? When did you first realize there was something very unique about him?
1: Well, probably after he was with me, you know, of course, when he first started, you know, it it was different. Uh, We practiced a lot and he knew he had to change some of the rhythm, rhythm, rhythm patterns that we did because our timing was different than, when he had been in the band before.
0: He was still really green when he joined the New South Oh, White. yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. He was still learning. I mean, he was really just learning. He wanted to grasp everything he could, you know, and he was trying to do it all at once, I guess. And I used to tell him, you know, I'd say, look, and about his rhythm thing, and I'd say, look, here's the deal, if you listen, because I had played with the best rhythm player in the business it was Jimmy Martin. And, uh, my favorite rhythm players were Jimmy Lester Flat and Clarence White because I had been listening to Clarence also and, uh, and his flat picking. And, you know, the, you know it is when you're young and you're trying to learn and you, you play everything wide open and try to throw in everything you can. And <laughs> I used to tell him, I say Tony, don't play everything you know in one break. You know, first thing, play, play melody, Uh, You know, first is timing and melody, that's what you do. That is the thing about music. Then anything else extra you can add in a little bit to make it, you know, whatever that you want to do. But you think uh, melody and timing, space your notes, don't jam, you know, a lot of notes all together. And I said, you listen, and I remember I used to listen to Clarence White. Of course, he had been listening to Clarence before even before uh, he joined me, I think he was listening to him back when he was with the Bluegrass Alliance. And I said, listen to him and see how what I'm talking about, his spacing, his notes, you know, they don't run together. And he plays melody. And he does those cute little runs, you know, after that. And uh, I said, that's what he does. That's what makes him unique. And Tony got to listen to that. Well, One night at the Holiday Inn, Clarence White came in. Uh, He was passing through, going somewhere, or had been somewhere, and he stopped at the Holiday Inn where we were playing. Well, of course, I got him up to do a set with us. And uh, Tony went out and sat down and watched Clarence on stage with us. And I think right there he saw what I had been talking about. Because when Clarks was on stage with us and playing with him, it just like opened up. I mean, this cat could play rhythm and play lead, you know, like I never heard. He was so smooth and his notes separated and his rhythm was just dry. It was there. And he wasn't playing real hard, but you could hear everything he did because he knew how to play. And when Tony saw that, really, that really started him thinking and uh, about that type of thing, and and it changed. And then I noticed later Tony had that same kind of feel there. And when he did that, it all jailed a lot better. Mm-hmm. And you know, he just took it from there and went on with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and did his thing that that's what made Tony but Tony I knew Tony would would do it I knew he could because I knew he heard it it was just going to take him a while to get it together Yeah. as it does anybody you know you don't come in a band and just I only had two people that never came into the New South that could walk in and already do the music it was Ricky Skaggs and Keith Whitley uh-huh. When they came into the band, of course, they had heard us before they knew a lot of the material we uh-huh. did. And when they came into the band, it was like they'd been there a year Yeah, uh, because they could, they knew. And Keith, of course, you ever saw we did. Yeah, And when he came into the band, I mean, he'd just walk up to the mic and do it. We'd maybe run through it one time, and we'd do it. I mean, it was there. Uh, that don't happen too often. No. You know, I mean, well, of course I understand that a lot of people don't, they listen to different groups a lot and they don't, you know, listen just to one group all the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, uh, a lot of times, you know, the talent some some, it just, uh, they learn it quicker than others. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, I was very fortunate. You know, you've got to have good people. Mm-hmm. You know, one man can't do it all. You've got to have a band. You've got to have a sound that is recognizable, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, and that's, that's what I always strive to do. But you've got to have good people
0: in there to do it. And one of the best to ever do it was definitely Mr. Tony Rice, who recently passed away. Mr. Crow yes. what do you think that Tony's legacy will be in in Bluegrass and beyond
1: uh well as far as I'm concerned I mean there's nobody that can touch him mm-hmm. you know and what I mean by that I mean and there's a lot of good pickers out there I'm not saying there's not there's a lot of good pickers but Tony had a way with his playing that uh I mean, a lot of people think he played guitar real hard, real, real, you know, hit it real hard and stuff. But he didn't. Tony played, a lot of times on stage when we were singing, he would play just enough that I could hear that guitar. Just enough. He wasn't playing hard. But I could still hear it. You could hear it. And that's the secret of an instrument, playing your instrument, is learning how to play without having to beat your instrument to death, you know. Mm-hmm. A lot of people I call thrash and bang and you know, and and they just they just play the tone out of the instrument totally, mm-hmm. you know. They don't leave anything there. But Tony could take a guitar, any guitar, and play it and uh, You you hear it, but you you look at him, and you watch him, and he was playing comfortable. He wasn't playing real hard, Mm -hmm. but you hear it. He knew how to get tone out of an instrument. And uh, and I think he studied that also, as well as his playing, is how to get that tone out of an instrument. And I think that's one of the things that really drew me to him as far as being a musician. Because that's the thing I always studied. You know, is get the tone out of your instrument. Mm-hmm. If you got a good instrument, then you have to learn how to play it to get that tone out of it. His his legacy. I mean, you know, I don't know. Uh, all I know is, um, to me, there'll probably never be another one mm-hmm. like that. Uh, I'll put it that way. With the talent he had and the knowledge that he had of the music is what impressed me about him and he wanted to learn he wanted to learn you know different genres he picked two or three genres of music and he really stressed and learned and he did it well you know
0: that's such a great lesson to to all of us but especially any uh young artists or young pickers out there was tony's ability to to always want to be learning and also to not pigeonhole himself i mean we all love bluegrass and and you're yeah, a great example yeah, of this sure. as well but learning about other types of music including right. in addition to bluegrass or in addition to you know your primary love uh can help right. uh, can help you grow as as a musician leaps and bounds right
1: exactly uh, mm-hmm. yeah that's that's the way i always thought about it and uh that's the way he did too because I always like to take different genres of music and bring them into the style that I was playing if it fit, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know I've tried things and uh, I think after I did them, I said, no, that's not going to work. You know, yeah. it, don't, it, it doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there's material out there that it doesn't sound right. You might do it but it really doesn't sound like it should, you know. Yeah.
0: But learning how you can make those parts and pieces and influences fit together into something that is uniquely you is is an art that uh, very few artists get to. And uh, you you were right. great at it, and and Tony Tony was exceptional at it as well on blending all right. that stuff to make it cohesive and work. Um, Right. Yeah. You, you've uh you and Tony made a lot of music together, both uh on record and on stage. And uh Right. He was on uh, some New South records and and you were on some Rice yep. records. You guys made some great music right. with the bluegrass yeah. album band. If if you had to right. pick a, a, a favorite record or even if it was a favorite song that you and and Tony made together or the, or that's just one of your favorite tony recordings in general what what are some of your your favorites
1: well you know what uh daniel this that's a hard question very there. hard
0: question uh
1: <laughs> you know because me i like so many different things mm-hmm. uh and i like a lot of the, st- the stuff we did uh, but everything he did was good yeah. you know all of his cds were good yeah you know uh he he got out there a little further on some of them, you know, his yeah. later ones. Yeah, of course he was learning more as he went, and uh, but they were all good, you know. As far as what we did, I tell you, uh, you know, of course, old forty four. What can you say about it, you know? Uh, but you know, to be honest with you, I liked a lot of the Bluegrass album band. Things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because that's what we all grew up on, mm-hmm. that's what we all loved, and that's really what we wanted to play, mm-hmm. actually. <laughs> but you know, you had to do something beside that. Yeah, you know, you had to get something different. But I think that's why those Bluegrass Apple Band records or CDs did good because the way they felt because we all grew up on that music, and we was playing tribute to the.
0: It's a it's a great uh, I, example on you know the album band you and Doyle and Todd Phillips yeah, and Bobby I mean, Hicks and, yeah. and, and Tony. Uh, it's a great example of just because someone has new ideas doesn't mean that they're still uh, that they're not passionate about you know traditional bluegrass and you know Tony. You right. hear all that spacegrass albums and the jazz stuff, which uh, is absolutely oh, exceptional. Yeah. But he had a real heart and a passion for traditional bluegrass music, didn't he?
1: Oh, yeah, he did. That was his first love. Mm-hmm. He'd tell you that. That was his first love. But like everybody, like I said, you can't do that. You've got to do something a little different. Mm-hmm. Because that's already been done the best it'll ever be done. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no way. <laughs> you know, the people that did that, that laid the flattened scrubs era, uh, the way they laid that music down... I defy anyone to ever try to beat that because that won't happen. Mm-hmm. They did it the best it will ever be done, but they did it their way. If you're talking about that, there's everybody can play it, but it don't sound like they did. Mm-hmm. You know, there again, that, that's, that was the time, the era that it was, and they were the big dogs in that right there. I mean, we all, myself, Tony, we all grew up learning from that. They paved the way. They set the bar. And believe me, it's high. <laughs> I don't think it'll ever be uh, beat. I don't.
0: Well, and you and I were talking off air, we talk about setting the bar, about, uh, you know, to you, the music of, you know, flattened and Scruggs, that, that bar sets a high, you don't know if anybody clever topic you you said that you think tony set the bar so high in acoustic guitar that oh yeah won't be
1: topped yeah i I don't think you know and there's a lot of good guitar pickers out there oh yeah i know some that's you know good guitar pickers Mm -hmm. but they're not tony yeah because he was unique
0: there was only one tony rice that's right that's right
1: and i he stood beside me for four and a half years, and I know what he could do. Yeah. And I've played with other pickers that are good pickers. But when you stand beside Tony, there's a difference. Yeah. And it's hard to describe the difference. Mm-hmm. But it's there. I can feel it. Mm-hmm. And he could. Mm-hmm. Because when he played Bluegrass, he played it man like it was, that was the only thing in the world yeah. because he felt that. Yeah. But then when he played jazz, his style, he thought that was it. That's the only thing going. That's the only thing in the world. He played it with that feel. That mm-hmm. was him, you know, doing that. And uh, he was very passionate about you play music, you play it with the feel and the best you can. And that's what man. He studied all aspects of the music and the the rhythm, which is very important. In the lead, there's 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 pickers out there that uh, guitar, acoustic guitar players, that play great lead, but the rhythm is a little bit lax. Mm-hmm. See, so he didn't do that. His rhythm uh, was really overshadowed, really, by his flat picking, his mm-hmm. you know, yeah. his lead picking. Uh, but he—he he was a great Tony was a great rhythm player, mm-hmm. played so fluently. Just uh, he started to strive. He didn't play hard. He didn't—you you didn't look like he was already doing anything. <laughs> but you heard him. Yeah. He was there. It was just the touch. Uh, so. Yeah. But I tell you what, he—he—he he, he will be missed. That's for sure. There, there will not be another one like him. Not in my estimation.
0: No way. Well, thank you so much for the for the time to share with our uh, our listening audience today some some memories and some thoughts on well, your friend Tony Rice. I, I appreciate it. I know our audience does as well. All
1: right. Well, you have a good day, and you have it all day long. <laughs>
0: You too, sir. How
1: about that? Okay. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. And and you, you take care.
0: Everyone has time for good music.
1: You got time to breathe. You got time for music.
0: The Daniel Mullins Midday Music Spectacular, weekdays 10 to noon on Real Roots Radio.